The Bible Study Podcast, episode 385. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of Psalms with Psalm 45. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We have an interesting psalm this week. I almost skipped over it, and you'll see why. It's a very different psalm because this is a wedding song. This is one of the psalms of the sons of Korah, and it is meant for a wedding. So it falls out of the norm, but that's one of the reasons I decided not to skip it because it's not like all the other ones that we have read. And it goes like this. My heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the king. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. You are the most excellent of men. Your lips have been anointed with grace since God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your side, you mighty one. Clothe yourself with splendor and majesty. In your majesty ride forth victorious in the cause of truth, humility, and justice. Let your right hand achieve awesome deeds. Let your sharp arrows pierce the hearts of the king's enemies. Let the nations fall beneath your feet. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. All your robes are fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia from palaces adorned with ivory. The music of the strings makes you glad. Daughters of kings are among your honored women. At your right hand is the royal bride in the gold of Ophir. So it's an interesting psalm here because on the surface, at least, it is a psalm that is in two parts. This part talking about the groom and then the next part talking about the bride. And I think there's two different acceptable ways to look at this, and we should look at it in both ways. One, that it is intended for a specific bride and a specific groom, and it was a wedding gift that happened to be a popular enough song that it was recorded and then probably sung at other weddings through the millennia. But the other way I want to pause and think about this is that the bride and groom are often used in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, and this is obviously coming from the Old Testament, as an analogy, as a way of picturing the relationship between Christ and the church. And so I want to look at it through both lenses. First of all, we have something that is being written not to a king, but to the right-hand man of a king, the person who is a mighty warrior, the person who's going to go out and win the king's victories, the most excellent of men. And a couple things that are interesting to note, let's look first at the adjectives that are used of the groom. Most excellent of men, lips anointed with grace, and blessed by God forever. Clothed with splendor, riding forth in majesty, lover of righteousness, hater of wickedness, are the adjectives that we see used for the groom. And if we look at this, we, we're getting the description of, in this first way of looking at it, as this is a groom. This is a person who is actually getting married to a bride, as the picture of a righteous man. And these are things that we should aspire to. But I like, your lips have been anointed with grace. Now, This is an interesting verse for me this week because one of the things that I generally try to do is I generally try to be in control of my temper. You will find that I lose my temper and yell probably once every decade. 
Uh, so it is not an area where people generally think of me as being someone with a strong temper. And I try to be kind in my words. I try to have my words be filled with grace. This is one of those weeks that I cannot say that I achieved that. This was one of those one in 10 year kind of things where that I got in a discussion with someone in my family, with my brother, and he managed to just trigger a response that was not a gracious response. And there's an argument that some of the things that were said may have needed to be said, but I am not pleased by how they were said. My lips this week didn't feel like they were anointed with grace. And when you say anointed with grace, grace, remember, is when we get the good thing that we don't deserve. And sometimes when we are talking to each other, even when we are trying to express something that needs to be said, we need to think about how we can do it gracefully, how we can do it remembering that we are all each imperfect. And that is what I didn't do this week. And there's a long, complicated story behind that. It was an argument that was a year in the making, but it bugs me that I I wasn't this guy. Did you notice also that this groom is riding forth in the cause of truth, humility, and justice? It's not quite truth, justice, and the American way like Superman is, but it's saying those things that are true, making sure that the king's justice happens, that everyone gets what they deserve, but then humility, which is interesting because the rest of this is sort of majestic. In fact, it says, close yourself with splendor and majesty and yet ride forth victoriously, but humbly. How can you be clothed with splendor and yet humble? Humility, remember, isn't I have no value, but it's being able to see your value with clear eyes, being able to see your value and not have it get in the way of seeing the value of others is how I would put it. Maybe the difference for this victorious warrior who is riding forth in splendor and majesty is understanding the difference between, and looking at this as the groom, is understanding the difference between where I am and where the king is, that I am a servant of the king, that I am a tool of the king. And understanding that the majesty that I have, the splendor that I have, is borrowed. It is the majesty of the king behind me. And that's something that's useful for us to understand is whatever grace we have, whatever position we have, has been given to us by the king. It is borrowed majesty. It is borrowed splendor. And I think that might be what humility means. Let your sharp arrows pierce the hearts of the king's enemies. Let the nations fall before your feet. This is a victorious warrior who is establishing the king's justice forever and ever. And that's the interesting thing. One of the reasons why I have to look at this as Christ the bridegroom too, is that the warrior who this was originally written for, the servant of the king, wouldn't necessarily be establishing the throne of God forever and ever. And yet certainly that is the role of Christ. The scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom, establishing a kingdom of justice And I like that when God, your God, has set you above your companions, he anointed you with the oil of joy. And we've talked about this before. I know the Puritans would have trouble with it. But it is my belief that following God is intended to bring us joy. That being in right relationship with God is supposed to be a source of joy. Before I run out of time, let's get the rest of the psalm here. And this is to the bride. Listen, daughter, and pay careful attention. Forget your people and your father's house. Let the king be enthralled by your beauty. Honor him, for he is your Lord. The city of Tyre will come with a gift. People of wealth will seek your favor. 
All glorious is the princess within her chamber. Her gown is interwoven with gold. In embroidered garments she is led to the king. Her virgin companions follow her, those brought to be with her. Led in with joy and gladness, they enter the palace of the king. Your sons will take the place of your fathers. You will make them princes throughout the land. I will perpetuate your memory through all generations. Therefore the nations will praise you forever and ever. And again, remember, we have a bride, and then we also have that analogy. So first, looking at the bride, we get this sense of joy. We get this sense of turning away from one thing, turning away from your father's people in your father's house and coming to your bridegroom, coming in beauty, coming in splendor, in joy and gladness, the bride turning away from her life before and turning to her new life. And a life that will make her praised through all generations, a life that is better. How also, when we are called to be the bride of Christ, are we called to turn our thoughts, to turn our minds away from where we're coming from and to the relationship with Christ that we as the church are called to, and that Christ himself has prepared the church as a thing of beauty, that Christ has bought and purchased the church with his own blood, because of his own love, that we too are called to be part of something whose praise will be forever and ever. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. I pray this week your lips will be more gracious than mine were this week, and that you and I will be able to turn our thoughts from our former life and into the life as the Church of Christ, as the Bride of Christ, in fellowship with him. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. This episode will come out on Christmas Day. We'll probably be skipping an episode on New Year's Eve. So we're going to take one week off. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.